Hey, welcome to Where's the Nuance with myself, El Nino. Typically, I used to do a lot of, <laughs> I used to have a lot of guests on the podcast and try to talk about more, let's say, complex issues and hopefully bring some nuance to them. Um, you know, seemingly maybe hot button issues, but honestly, I have felt more compelled to share things that I've been thinking about, to be honest. I think in some way, shape, or form, when I was doing that, I was kind of pandering to what I imagined people would like to hear. Like, ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share a critical take on, uh, on masculinity and femininity. And while I like those topics, um, today I'm gonna actually choose to talk about something I wanna talk about and something that I have actually been engaging with. I've been reading this amazing book called Soulmates by Thomas More uh, because I got ghosted. I got ghosted. And it hurt. It sucked. Um, admittedly, I'd never really experienced that before, which a friend of mine told me was insane and that it was just a common place in online dating. And I guess um, I guess I've spared myself of a lot of those negative experiences of online dating because I've met so many incredible people in, in real life, so to speak, uh, out and about in the world because I'm uh, putting myself out there. On that note, when I was inevitably... Well, I guess not. I didn't know if it was inevitable, but I got ghosted by someone that I was talking to and we'd built a seemingly solid foundation built on shared, again, <laughs> seemingly shared values, expressed feelings, uh, intimacy, vulnerability. And again, I'm, I came at it in the beginning with a sense of non-attachment. I was just very open to whatever might arise. I didn't feel the need to place an expectation beyond setting my own uh, standards around my behavior and they set their own and, you know, open intentions, but I didn't have an attachment, I guess, in that moment to a certain outcome. And that's been my mindset lately in life. It's been something that's taken me many years to develop how to move with that. Cause there's a very fine nuance in that, like moving intentionally without having an attachment to the outcome of your intention, intentional actions. It's, it's not easy. I, I'll speak quite, uh, bluntly with uh quite bluntly there when i was ghosted or let's say just let's back up a little bit during the process of talking to this individual i found myself allowing the mind to do what it often does when we're excited about someone i allowed my mind to begin creating little bits of fantasy maybe projecting ideas about the future imagining outcomes imagining and perhaps creating an expectation around what we had what we now had which again seemingly in hindsight really wasn't that much but I began thinking and hoping and projecting a fantasy an idea yes perhaps quite bluntly a delusion around a potential future with this person when I was ghosted it hurt me a lot um, but quite frankly it didn't really hurt I didn't even lose the person. I lost my fantasy. And boy, do us humans enjoy our fantasy. Because our fantasy, well, that's, you know, that's playtime for the mind. That's what steals us away from the present moment, which can be so hard for us to just settle with. So instead of settling for what's in front of us, we create fantasy. We create delusion. And God knows I did the exact same thing, which I was a little bit kind of frustrated at myself because... I've done such a good job of not doing that in other areas of my life, but again, love and romance and heartbreak and all of these lovely things are still arenas that I have much to learn in, admittedly. And 
when I got ghosted, it was her, I was hurt, whatever. So I thought to myself, well, I need to learn. I need to educate myself further because I'm not sure how I was played such a fool. Um, so I began reading two books, both of which I'm almost finished. One was Attached, a really famous book on attachment styles. And I uh, listened, during, listened to it on Audible. Really fantastic. Really helped me understand how my own attachment style, while I presented as fairly secure in the beginning, I actually, it took me many years to even begin to present as secure. And because I was once quite anxious, actually, in fact, I think I was kind of anxious avoidant, but leaning more on the anxious side, when inevitably when I was ghosted, that triggered a lot of the old uh, attachment uh, pattern or attachment map that used to be there. Um, and that's why I became very like, in my own head, I thought, oh my God, what have I done? Is there something I could do? And I was so anxious, you know, reaching out to friends, showing them texts, being like, am I crazy? What did I do? I must have done something, putting all the onus on me. Thankfully, educating myself in that department also made me recognize that individual is a clear avoidant and obviously has a multitude of issues that has very little to do with me and everything to do with their own inability to sit with intimacy within themselves. And I'm sure there's also a level of context that I can't know because I was ghosted and as such, you know, who knows? A friend of mine told me they likely got back with an ex and I like that idea. It sticks with me and it gives me some sort of comfort. But the point really is that I was pulled into a moment of suffering really because I allowed myself to get wrapped up in a fantasy outside of the present moment and not just take something at face value and to start projecting and creating an idea around a potential relationship. Now, that's why I got the book Soulmates as well. Soulmates is a wonderful book by Thomas More, a psychologist, not literally about, not so much or in a surface level about like finding a soulmate, but just understanding the nature of having soulful relationships in our lives and what exactly that even means. And a quote that stood out to me very powerfully was by, by Rainer Maria Rilke. Once the realization is accepted that even between the closest human beings, infinite distances continue to exist, a wonderful living side by side can grow up. If they succeed in loving the distance between them, which makes it possible for each to see the other whole and against a wide sky. This was a quote that was included in that book. And it really hit me because it was when the author was talking about the fact that we do a disservice to the mystery of love and relationships when we assume that we can really know another person and we try to like analyze all their behavior, whether that's from an attachment style, right? F reducing someone to just that, or whether that's from a you know, psychoanalytic perspective or even like a spiritual twin flame, whatever it might be, when we use kind of a limited framework to try and understand the complexity of someone, we actually do ourselves a disservice. And that one of the best ways for us to love other people is to see them as whole and against a wide sky and to recognize there is an infinite distance between us that we must come to accept. And that resonated with me because it echoed all of the Eastern spiritual uh, philosophy and wisdom that I've been digesting for many, many years and trying hard to live by, which, and especially when it comes to relationships around non-attachment. In Eastern spiritual philosophy, they don't say it as poetically, but they say, you know, practice detachment, love without attachment. On the surface, these things seem difficult because the way that Obviously, that word attachment, we assume like, what, they want us to love without forming an attachment bond? That's impossible. It, it, yes, it seemingly 
does seem to be almost close to impossible for a human being to do that, if not just impossible. But, you know, never say never. But on that note, what they're referring to in Eastern spiritual philosophy is more of don't feel like you possess them. Don't have an attachment to the person beyond, you know, just being present with them. Um, like, don't create a fantasy about a potential future with them, that kind of stuff. And I've tried to integrate that in my life, in my relationships, my work, and it's really one of the most fundamental uh aspects of peace in my life, I guess, like an element or ingredient of peace is approaching things with, you know, love, compassion, and total presence, but not attached, like don't get too wrapped up in what, what may or may not happen and just kind of embrace the uncertainty of it all. However, when it came to that obviously ghosted situation, you know, I got excited. Oh, God, I can't help it. You know, you find someone, you resonate, all you have the same ics, the same likes or seemingly the same ics, perhaps <laughs> I had one that I wasn't aware of. Um, and you connect and, you know, I got excited. And in that excitement, I found myself moving away from non-attachment and, in fact, from the distance. And why? Well, because I think when we begin to project an attachment around an expectation of how they're going to show up in our lives, technically, I've begun to close the distance between us in a way that's not even fair, right? As opposed to perhaps letting some of that distance naturally un you know, close over time as you naturally spend time with one another and get to know each other. Perhaps you become less of total mysteries to one another. You know, I allowed the mind to create projections around how they were going to behave, which did a disservice to the soulfulness of that experience. And beyond that specific microcosm, my uh, experience, I think it was just such a good reminder that perhaps one of the best ways that I can love everyone, not just my potential romantic partners, but friends, family, co-workers, the world at large, is to humbly respect the distance between us and just embrace loving the distance between us because, look, like I'm never really going to know you. Um, I could be your friend for your whole life and I still wasn't there when you were a kid. I wasn't there during your struggles. I wasn't there when you had to tell yourself... You know, you had to pick yourself up as a little kid. I wasn't there during your anxious bouts in childhood, in high school, whatever it might be. I was never there. In fact, no one was. The only person who was really there was you. And reflecting on my own life, that's the truth. No one's ever really going to know me. And I have to become okay with that. And that's a difficult task for many of us, of course. We yearn to be understood. We yearn to connect and have someone just totally embrace our, our totality. But humbly, you are far too great to be held by one person like that. In fact, if there's one thing I've learned about guiding people through self-awareness journeys towards understanding all parts of themselves is most of us are strangers to even ourselves. And... <laughs> I mean, reflecting on my own life, I still continue to unearth aspects of myself because, you know, truthfully, I haven't existed in every single context that's infinitely available. As such, my potential response or things that may be an aspect of who I am, I have yet to encounter. You know, there's a humility in recognizing that if even parts of myself remain dormant to me and I'm still on this self-discovery, this journey of self-discovery, then... I need to kind of hold that mystery within other people, hold that mystery between us. And I really believe that that can actually be a much more powerful catalyst towards connection. Because instead of me assuming that 
your behavior is based on this because of that and reducing you to the little logic in my mind, I respect that you are a universe. You are so whole. You are so much. And when I respect that distance and humbly go, look, like, sure, I'm not going to also have discernment here. You know, analyze, do the things, use the tools, but take a step back and go, it's not really my job to reduce you to something that could be defined. Because really, all of us are beings that are in constant flux and trying to put a barrier, which definition kind of is, is reducing us to something less than what we are. And I really believe that if I can move through my life and if we can move through our lives, humbly loving the distance between each other while still moving with intention, yet releasing the attachment to the expectations of how other people are supposed to show up in our lives, we can be fulfilled. But this is the point a question asked me. He said, yeah, that all sounds nice and lovely and it's great that you know, you're able to do this on some regard, but don't we have needs in relationships? You know, isn't it fair or justified of me to have needs in relationships and, you know, and expect someone to meet those needs? And I sat and I pondered for a second and I thought, actually, well, if we're going to use at least the spiritual perspective of which, you know, I have to because that's my nature <laughs> and my education in many ways is actually no. I almost think that Relationships often fail exactly for that reason because we come to people with needs and I don't mean like you have certain standards in relationships that's different um, nuance of course but rather I want to be in a relationship that I'm getting into because this beautiful mystery of a person in front of me is someone I'd like to spend time with and perhaps for the rest of my life not because I need them to fulfill some part of me that I can't fill myself. And that's really a lot of what spiritual doctrine and philosophy and practices tries to get us to see is that we are whole. As individuals, we are individuated expressions of this infiniteless, this infiniteless divine, infiniteless? Or, yes, I think that's right. Anyways, we are a part and a fragment of that divinity, of that infinity, of that thing that is beyond the small self. And the more that we can practice things, like for, for instance, really, when I practice meditation, which is almost every single day, right, for almost a decade, these practices make me feel like I'm just whole. Like, I don't need anything else. It doesn't kill my ambition necessarily. I'm still like, oh, well, I'm young and I'm here and I'm human. Let's do something with this. Let's give back. Let's create a life, a story worth telling to my grandkids one day because God knows I will be talking their ear off. That doesn't leave, but a peace arises. That's what happens is when I recognize that I'm whole and complete, I just feel peaceful. And then typically in what tends to happen and the magic of life is that I start to attract and I have and continue to attract the things at my vibration, at my resonance, the things that I need, good, bad, or ugly, in any shape or form. I get them all, the lessons, the blessings, the in-betweens, the sufferings, the, you know, the painful moments all things that I inevitably often my soul and spirit needs to continue to develop and grow. So how do we, how do we approach a relationship then? Well, again, <laughs> please understand that I am not the purveyor of ultimate truth here. I'm just sharing mine so far as I understand it. I think than a loving relationship, again, also knowing that don't expect or become attached to it lasting forever, is founded and rooted in 
the potential of two people who both don't need someone to fill a hole inside of them or multiple holes, but rather are excited about the idea of spending and sharing time with another person and building a relationship whether and having some shared values and perhaps working towards a goal, maybe like raising a family or living together or simply just passing time together because God knows that, you know, company is nice and connection and community is something to be valued, not, you know, uh, demonized or pathologized. However, as that relationship unfolds, respecting the mystery between us, respecting that that person that is a whole infinite universe might grow in another direction and that we can't control the direction of their growth and growth and they can't control ours. And when we lean into this kind of divine love that needs nothing from anyone but gives everything in spite and shamelessly gives love because it knows that even if it is not returned, it is still whole. This type of existence, this type of romance that I think starts with us, I really think it starts with us being in love with us. And I don't mean that in some weird delusional narcissistic way. I mean it in like a cool delusional magic way where you just recognize that you're the one who's always been with you. Coming back to that whole distance between us and the fact that I won't ever really know you, you're your best shot at being understood. You're your best shot at really being held. You're your best shot at being saved. So save yourself, love yourself, hold yourself in this graceful compassion, in this disciplined ambition, in these intentional actions. And when we do that, I think finding or growing into a relationship with another person that, you know, actually builds something soulful and magical is, well, just the inevitable. Loving the distance between my friends, I mean, kind of jumping has also been really great for me. Like I used to really think or want, like uh, perhaps I would project this idea like all oh, my friends need to like what I like. And all my friends, they should all be spiritual and this and that. And we're going to do this and they're all going to do the things I want to do at all times. And perhaps a bit controlling there, <laughs> but like really wanting the people in my life to be a certain way and feeling disappointed because I'd invite them over for dinner and I try to like make a certain type of conversation and they wouldn't engage. And look, ultimately nuance here, a lot of those friends I had to step away with because I realized I was spending time with people who I didn't really share a lot of values with. However, I also wasn't gracefully loving the distance between us. I wasn't loving them as individuals who are separate from me. I was trying to love them as the ideas that I hoped that they would fulfill in my head of what I wanted a friend to look like. And when I began really loving myself and moving on that journey, I loved myself enough to give myself distance from those people, to allow myself to be alone, to allow myself to learn what it actually looked like to love me. And I learned the both the good, the bad, and the ugly of that. And one of the best things I learned really was that loving myself was not doing whatever I wanted it was not. I mean, again, perhaps I always come from a bit of a radical reality where doing whatever I wanted led to drug abuse and alcohol dependency in many ways, shapes, and forms. <sighs> Whereas doing the thing that I could obviously tell was good for me, okay, like treating myself like a kid who clearly needed a little bit of discipline, some structure, and of course, compassionate love, that's when the real growth happened in my life. That's when the transformation began and it has been nonstop. feels like every couple of months I have like stepped into this other amazing version of myself and 
it's, I, and I don't feel weird saying that because when I used to have to feel like I have to prove to everyone that I was great, I really wasn't. I was very insecure and you know, I had a lot of potential, but I didn't understand what it meant to love myself. To love myself was not just to allow myself to do anything I wanted. It was to take deep account of my values, myself, understand my shadow, my ego, my inner child, all of these woundings that I carry, this pain that I was projecting from, and then look back as the higher awareness and go, how can I serve this individual? Because like I said, the best, our best shot at being saved is us saving us because no one else is gonna be able to, because there's always gonna be that distance between us. But we can save ourselves, and when we become saved through love, through self-love, through embodiment of values, through living with intention, through trudging up the shit and confronting the unconscious behavior patterns that once ruled our lives and becoming embodied creators of our lives, that's when we can really step into learning how to love the distance between us. And it becomes way easier because if you're not attached to your own story, right, as many of us are, and perhaps many of you still are, attached to that narrative that you began writing at six years old as a little kid who really had a very egocentric and not exactly the most objective understanding of the world around them. If you're still attached to a story like that, you know, it's, well, let me just encourage you to step out of that. Maybe try reflecting on that and pushing past the story that might be keeping you small and bound into unconscious behavior patterns that are not serving your highest purpose. Stepping out of that, letting go of that attachment is exactly what allows us and gives us the potential to, well, approach loving relationships through a, through a similar model without attachment, but still with care, with intention, and with awareness of what our values are and the kind of person that we are and the kind of people that we want to be around. And then if and when you ever get ghosted, well, you won't react like I did and spend a week and a half in an anxious state wondering what you did wrong. Instead, you'll respect the distance between another person knowing that whatever beautiful mystery that they are, they obviously weren't meant for you at this moment. And perhaps you'll approach it with some lessons You'll buy a couple books and educate yourself further and, <laughs> and just, yeah, continue loving yourself. And again, I guess I'm kind of talking about myself and in an idealistic way, knowing that, you know, all parts of this life is a learning journey. And I guess I've just been blessed with this opportunity to talk about my, my journey here. And the fact that some of you want to listen to this just makes my heart happy. And I hope it provides you some value. I hope that and me speaking about these topics that I really care about that actually affect my day-to-day -day life in many ways um, serves you as the revelations and insights have served me. Much love from your, my, <laughs> much love from me, Nino. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. I know your time is precious and I'm honored to share it with you. Please give the podcast five stars and follow us to stay updated. We look forward to seeing you here now next time for Where's the Nuance?